0: Amen. Well, we're starting a brand new series this morning entitled The Acts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to walk through uh, the first part of the book of Acts. This morning is going to be a little more uh, kind of uh, big picture as we move forward, uh, and that's okay. But a good question is, why this series? Why are we talking about the power that we need to live the life that we want? Why are we doing that? Uh, That's a really good question. Uh, I would say this. I would say we will never live the life that Jesus died for us to live. And we will never be eternally effective in the way that we can be until we understand the power and the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and we embrace the Holy Spirit in our life. I believe that for us to be the people that Christ died for us to be and to do what it is that he called us to do, we have to understand the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you grew up in a religious system to where the Holy Spirit maybe was talked about a whole lot. You may have even grown up in a church where maybe the Holy Spirit was even abused in some ways, meaning people would say, hey, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this or that. Then you felt obligated to actually do this or that. Uh, Some of you may have grown up in a church where the Holy Spirit was never even mentioned, right? It's just kind of like that weird uncle that no one talks about or something. I don't know. You know, it's like, we just never really talk about the Holy Spirit. We like the Father, like the Son, just never really mention the Holy Spirit. Uh, That's okay. I know that we all come to the topic of the Holy Spirit from different places, and we all have different backgrounds uh, when it comes to this particular topic, and especially when you get into topics like gifts of the Spirit and things like that. I get that. What I want for us is I want us to have a healthy view Of the Holy Spirit I want us to have a healthy biblical understanding Of who God the Holy Spirit is The third person of the Trinity And how he works in our lives Now we're not going to say everything there is to say About the Holy Spirit in one series You can never do that But we're going to say a whole lot And I'm very excited to get started And here's how I want to start I think there is a phrase that you and I need to agree on If we're going to get off on the right foot And understand how the Holy Spirit works in our life And that phrase is simply this. It is that I need a power that is greater than myself to live for God. It's that simple. I need a power that is greater than myself to live for God. The truth is, you and I as human beings, we have a whole lot of obstacles. A whole lot of obstacles. And most of them have to do with us. But there are internal obstacles, external obstacles. We have obstacles, physical obstacles, mental, emotional, spiritual, behavioral obstacles. We, we have so many things that are roadblocks in our life from being uh, the people that God has called us to be. And therefore doing what God has called us to do. And, and the truth is we need a power that is greater than ourselves if we're really going to live for God. Not just believe in, in a God. Not just know some things about God, but if we're really going to live for God, we need a power that's greater than us. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. What the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit encourages, equips, and empowers believers so that the reality and reign of God is revealed through them in the world. The Holy Spirit encourages us, equips us, and empowers us so that the reality of God, who God is, who his nature is, and then the reign of God, the kingdom of God coming on earth as in heaven is revealed through us in this world. Now, if you just back out uh, and you look at where's the Holy Spirit appear in Scripture, you got to go all the way to the very beginning. You go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and there we see that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation, the creation of the world. Genesis 1, verse 2, it says, The earth was formless and empty, right there in the beginning, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the So right there in the beginning, you actually see both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God creating the whole world out of nothing. But not only do we see the Holy Spirit involved in creating the world, we see the Holy Spirit involved in creating you and me and every other human being. That's why the book of Job says in Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me. He made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me Life, So not only is the Holy Spirit involved in creating the whole world, the Holy Spirit is involved in creating you and me. Now, as we get started with this series, I want to give you three truths about the Holy Spirit. So, so that we understand kind of a historical timeline and where we are right now. And I want to start here. I want to start with the fact that, yes, we see the Holy Spirit involved in creation. We see the Holy Spirit involved in creating human beings. But also... Point number one is that God promised to give this Holy Spirit that we see in creation, that we see in creating humans, God promised to give me the Holy Spirit. And God promised to give you the Holy Spirit. We see this through the prophets over and over again. They talk about a day that's coming when the Messiah is going to come. He's going to do what only he can do. Die for our sins, be raised for our salvation. And then God is going to pour out his spirit. He's going to do something supernaturally in his followers by the power of the Holy Spirit. For example, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says this. God is saying, there's coming a day and I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. God says, This day is coming. In history, it's going to come. He says, And I will put my spirit in you. But notice why. I will put my spirit in you so that, so that you will, number one, follow my decrees, and number two, be careful to obey my regulations. Now, uh, Those two things are very important. What God says is there's coming a day when I'm going to put my spirit in people. It's not just going to come upon people. I'm going to put my spirit in people, and it's going to mean two things. Number one, you're going to be able to follow, meaning you're going to be able to walk with God in a very close and intimate way. But not only that, you're going to be able to obey my regulations, meaning we're going to be able to do the work of God in a very unique and empowered way. It is We are walking with God and we do the work of God. And God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that those two things happen in every single person's life. Now, here's the thing about walking with God and doing the work of God. When we, we're talking about walking with God or do, and doing the work of God, both of those things go together. They must be put together and they must not be separated. So many times we separate them in, uh, in our mind. We say things like, you know, I just need to work on my walk with God. And so I'm, I'm going to you know, not do very much. I'm not going to serve in any way. Or I just need to work on my walk with God. Or sometimes we, we neglect our personal walk with God and we just serve, 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 <laughs> thinking that if we do enough good things, then maybe God will be pleased with us and everything will be okay. These two things go together, both walking with God and then doing the work of God. But they are grounded in the relationship that we have with God. So the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31, 33, he says this. He says, but this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days. He's talking about after the Messiah comes and him sending the Spirit. He says, I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. Notice he's back to talking about hearts now. Then notice the next line. I will be their God. Notice the word be. Be. I will be their God and they will be my people. There is a being here, a togetherness here. And what we see through this promise that God has made is that we do we walk with God, we do the work of God, but that is grounded in our relationship with him. We are to be together in that. Now, point number 2, got to move quickly, is that yes, God promised to give me the Holy Spirit. Yes. But number two, God fulfilled his promise on the day of Pentecost. We see that in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was kind of the agricultural Thanksgiving holiday for the people of Israel. It's when they thank God for the harvest. And what God does is he pours out his spirit on this day for the greatest harvest of all time. And that's the harvesting of souls, people coming into his kingdom. And what we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, quoting the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, they will proclaim the good news. And so we see God make this promise that the Holy Spirit was coming in real space, real time, real human history. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, empowered the church like never before. And then point number three is this. We have to remember. We have to remember that God gives the Holy Spirit to every believer. You see, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see on the day of Pentecost was not just a one-time thing. God puts the Holy Spirit in every single person who believes in His Son. Every single person I get that from Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 It says And now you Gentiles Meaning non-Jewish people Now you have heard the truth You have heard the truth The good news that God saves you And when you believed in Christ He identified you as his own Notice that word own It's about being in this relationship with God He identified you as his own By giving you the Holy Spirit Whom he promised long ago Notice there's the promise again He promised this to us long ago, and now it has happened when we believe. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. What Ezekiel was talking about, what Jeremiah was talking about, what Isaiah was talking about, what the prophets were talking about is now come to pass for every single person who believes. And he says he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So what we see is God made a promise, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to reside within you so that you can walk with me and do the work that I have for you that's grounded in our relationship together. We're not just mechanical robots, no, it's built on relationship. God started that, delivered that promise the day of Pentecost, and now it's for every single believer, you and me included. Now the question is, how does the Holy Spirit empower me? What does that actually mean? What does that look like? All right. So to answer that, I have six points. You're welcome. (laughs) Hope you ate lunch. No, I'm just kidding. We'll move quick. But how does the Holy Spirit empower me? That's That's a relevant question. What does that look like? I think we have to start here. And point number one is this, is that the Holy Spirit's power is what fuels the church's mission. I think we have to start here because this is how Jesus tells it. You know, the Luke wrote Luke and Acts, right? And if you look at the end of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, he, and this is after death, burial, resurrection, he's telling them what is about to come. And in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus says this. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, right? Because he promised this long ago. But stay here in the city, that's Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Notice the word power. And that's my question. How does the Holy Spirit empower us? So Jesus says at the end of the Gospel of Luke, the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you with power. What we see at the very beginning of the book of Acts is that Jesus expounds on that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, talking to his disciples, he says, but you will receive power, there's the same word again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and, here's why, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to empower you to be witnesses, meaning to tell people about him everywhere you go all the way to the ends of the earth. And so the first thing we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's power is what fuels our mission as the church. Every believer is called to be a part of a local church, a community of faith. This is how God set it up, not me. He called us to live in community with other people. The problem is sometimes you have Christians who don't want to be in community with other people, so they want the power of God, but they want to divorce that from the people of God. And we have to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit flows in our lives in powerful, powerful ways when we come together and we're living on mission in the world. And we have to remember that it's God's mission. It's not our mission, right? God gave us this mission. It's God's power, not our power, and he invites us into this, and that's when it becomes our mission, when we own it in that way. But the Holy Spirit fuels the church's mission. Point number two is this, is the Holy Spirit's power is what I must rely on when I feel weak. Have you ever felt weak? I'm the only one. Yeah. you ever felt weak? You ever felt like, man, I would really like to step out in faith in some way? I'd really like to do something for God I'm just not sure I can I think we've all felt that way At one point or another All of us You know that's exactly how the Apostle Paul felt It's exactly how he felt You know whenever we think of the Apostle Paul You know there's this image in our minds Many times he's this big strong strapping guy That's actually not what we see from scripture That's actually not how he describes himself In places like 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he's writing to the church in Corinth and he says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Does that sound like self-confidence to you? <laughs> there is no self-confidence in Paul. None whatsoever. And I think we have to have some healthy self-confidence, absolutely, sure. But but, but actually, if you have too much self-confidence, that could be dangerous. Very dangerous. And Paul said, listen, when I showed up in Corinth, I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And then he says this, my message and my preaching were very plain. What Paul is saying is I'd have made a horrible TV preacher. I wouldn't have done well on the internet. It was very plain. He says, rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, which is what people still like today, right? Entertain me. He says... I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, that's what I did. I was weak. I was timid. I was trembling. I didn't try to show off. I just relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I told the staff this week, whenever we serve people, whenever we do ministry, we're either going to try to wow people or win people. Same thing is true for you and me, anybody who serves in ministry. We're either going to try to wow people so they love us, or we're going to try to win people to Christ. We're going to try to entertain people so that they will love us, or we're going to try to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so they'll love Christ. It's really the only two options. It's either going to be about me or it's going to be about him. It's going to be about you or it's going to be about him. And in those moments, though, when we're weak, When we don't have self-confidence, when we're trusting in and relying on the Holy Spirit, that's actually when we're the strongest, because we stop trying to do it in our own power. We stop trying to do it in our own wisdom, which we never could to begin with, anyway. Sometimes uh, people ask me questions like, you know, what what is the mark of a mature, a maturing Christian? You know, the more I think about that, what does it mean to be a mature Christian? Uh, The more I think that it's about being a mature Christian is about understanding it's not about you it's just not about you it's about God and it's about those that he is he's trying to save right now and our job is to bring those two together and we feel so weak whenever we do that and that's okay the the Spirit is the one that empowers us to live on that mission he fuels it even when we're weak and especially when we're weak point number three is that the Holy Spirit's power is what assures me that I'm on the right path When I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that assures me that I'm on the right path. When we're talking about walking with God, doing the work of God, in both of those areas, God, the Holy Spirit, helps us know this is where you need to be serving. Things are going good. Your heart is oriented toward God. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, Paul said these words. He says, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. With power, For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. You see, I believe that the Holy Spirit, as Scripture says, guides us into all truth. Truth about what we say, what we believe, what we do, how we live. He is guiding us into all truth. And whenever we're walking with God in our personal relationship with him, or we're doing the work of God, serving and in ministry in some way, he tells us when we're on the right path. He confirms that for us, he gives us that assurance Now that doesn't mean that ministry is not hard That doesn't mean that your relationship with God is not ever hard We live in a world today where people equate hard with no peace Yes, God wants us to follow the path of peace Whenever we're in, uh, cultivating our relationship with him And serving him in his kingdom uh, But just because things get hard Doesn't mean that there's no peace in your life See, what happens is sometimes in life we're walking with God and we get off the path and we feel no peace or we're serving in some way and we start backing off that in some way or we fail in some way or we don't do that in some way and we feel no peace. That's when we need to listen. But what can happen is that over time if we don't listen to the Holy Spirit when he is nudging us in our life, when he's leading and guiding us in our life, we can actually become numb. And we start trying to find supplemental peace in our life To make us feel good and feel okay about ourselves Even though we may be walking in disobedience Whether it's not serving or whether it's not cultivating our relationship with him But just because things in life get hard does not mean that you don't have peace Again, sometimes we think if things get a little hard If there's a little bit of conflict And oh, maybe God doesn't want me to do that No, that's why God gives you peace Because it gets hard, right? Right? Whether it's cultivating your relationship with Him, there are times that's confusing, you don't understand it all, you're trying to figure something out in prayer, or you're trying to serve in some way. It gets hard, but God gives us peace and assurance that we're on the right path as we continue to follow Him. Number four, the Holy Spirit's power is how people see Christ through me. We see this all throughout the book of Acts, over and over and over. We see Christ on display through broken people. You know, if, if, if it was just up to us to show the world Christ, at best we would give them limited, inaccurate, distorted images of Christ. At best. At best. But when the Holy Spirit comes into play, when the Holy Spirit's power is working through us, that's when people actually see Christ for who he is. Paul put it this way in Romans 15, 18 and 19. He says, Yet I dare not boast about anything, anything, except what Christ has done through me. Do you see that? Paul says, I'm not boasting about anything that has happened except what Christ has done through me. Notice there's no self-promotion right there in Paul, right? No self-promotion in the kingdom. He said, I'm not going to boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. Now notice what he says. Bringing the Gentiles to God by my message... And by the way, I worked among them. He said, Yes, I had a message. And yes, I worked hard among them. But notice what he says next. They were convinced, Paul says, not by the message, my feeble message, not by what I did. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. He says, That's how people are convinced see, the Holy Spirit helps other people see Christ through us, through our walk with God and through the work we do for God and for others. When the Holy Spirit empowers that, that's when people actually see Christ. We can't do what we do, serve in the ways we serve, give in the ways we give, do anything, anything. In our own power. We're too weak. We're too feeble. But when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, people do not see us. They see Christ in us. And when people see you serve, the question is, do they say, wow, what a servant? Or do they say, wow, what a Savior? That's the question. That's a tough question. But we want people to see Christ through us. We want him to get the credit, him to get the honor, him to get the glory. And we want people to see him and him alone. Number five is that the Holy Spirit's power is activated by my faith. It is activated by my faith. You know, sometimes we live life and it's kind of like, whatever will be, will be, you know, which can be a very unhealthy way of living, by the way. To the point where we can say things like, well, whatever happens, it just must be God's will. We have to be very careful careful with that. Because we are called, and we see it over and over in Scripture, to take steps of faith. Let me, I love this passage in Galatians 3, 5. Paul says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law, meaning you obey a moral code? In this case, the Old Testament. He says, of course not. It is because, the reason why God gives you the Holy Spirit, the reason why God works miracles, it is because you believe. You believe the message you heard about Christ. That's why. It is your faith. It is what you believe. That's where God shows up. You see, we are called. We are called to step out in faith. And when we step out, God shows up up in powerful ways. So many times we just say, God, you, you assure me you're going to show up and then I'll step out. That's not stepping out in faith. If we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that it's our job to step out there and then watch what God does when God shows up. I've had p- countless people over the years tell me, I never thought I could lead a small group. I never thought I could work with kids. I never thought I could work with students. I never thought I could go on a mission trip. Several years ago, I took a guy on a mission trip. He said, I never thought I'd go on a mission trip in my life. I got him on a plane. I got him in South America. And we get down there, this big successful man, made a lot of money, brilliant mind, brilliant engineer. We get down there, and about day three, he breaks down sobbing like a baby. Just blown away at how God was using him and what God was doing. Among those we were serving. It's amazing what you see when you take that step of faith and you step out there, and then you see God work in powerful ways because He shows up by the power of His Holy Spirit. Number six. Number six is that I have the power I need to do the mission I have been assigned. You need to say that to yourself about three times a day. You have the power you need. To actually do the mission that God has assigned for you to do. You do. You do. I know you doubt it, but you do. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, he says, You know, you have every spiritual gift you need, every one of them. As you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, He will keep you strong to the end. He will do it, he says. So that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. He says you have every spiritual gift you need to that church. I think the same is true for here and I think the same is true for you. You have exactly what you need. If you are a believer, you have the Spirit of God living in you. You have everything you need. You have all the time that you need. Last time I checked, we all got the same amount every single day. You have the understanding that you need. You have the resources that you need. You have the power that you need to start And whatever you need along the way as you're walking with God and doing the work of God, God will supply that need too. He will. But you have everything you need to do what it is that God has called you to do. To live out the mission He has placed before you. And what we see throughout the book of Acts is the church believed that and they stepped out. The Spirit empowered them and the world has never been the same. I want to close with this question. As the worship team comes up. And the question is simply this. How is God calling you to step out or step up in your faith this year? Right now. How is God calling you to step out or to step up in your faith? What step of faith does he want you to take? So that you can see him move in powerful ways. The resurrection power of Jesus came through the power of the Holy Spirit that if you are a believer, now resides in you. What if he's just waiting on you to take a step so that you could see his power at work? What if? Father, I believe that you are calling all of us To step up, to step out in some way. I'm not sure what that means for everyone. But God, I pray that you would give us the courage to do just that. Like the people of Israel, when they stepped out and put their foot in the water, the seas parted. So Lord, would you give us the courage and the faith to take whatever step we need. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us?